Welcome to the Disability Parenting Podcast, where stories unite, community thrives, and validation is paramount for parents raising children with disabilities. I am your host, Lexi Emery, and I am so happy you're here with us today. All right, it is officially 2024. It is crazy to me. It is already the new year, but we are here. I hope everybody had a wonderful holiday season. I hope it was full of joy and good memories. And I also want to validate that if it was not those things, that it's okay too. We had a really tough holiday season ourselves. Um, Yeah, just a really rough, rough couple of weeks right during the holidays. And I just want everyone to know that like, it might look like everyone on the planet had a wonderful holiday season, but there's still a lot of people that had a hard time and struggled and you are known and seen if that was you too. So it can be both. Um, there was a lot of joy, but it was tough too. So anyways, I just wanted to say that really quick. I am so glad everyone is here listening today. I'm happy to be back after a little break over the holidays, and I am really excited to introduce you all to our guest. Today, we have the remarkable guest joining us, someone whose journey is not only deeply personal, but also reflects experiences of many within our community. I am so honored to introduce to you all Tristina Pontiakos, a devoted mother who made the courageous decision to transition from a successful career to becoming a stay-at-home mom. Her motivation, providing the best care for her daughter who has spina bifida. Tristina, I am thrilled you are here with us today. Hello, I'm so happy to be here too. Wonderful. Well, I have had the pleasure of knowing Tristina through mutual friends for years. It wasn't until our paths crossed, though, when we were both being seen at our local children's fetal care center for both of our daughters, and we were both pregnant at the time, and it was so cool to just reconnect, but then like on an instantly deep level, you know, we were going through some hard stuff together and yeah, so it was really cool to reconnect with you. Yes, you saved my sanity in many ways during that time. Oh, I love that. All right, Tristina, I have a tradition of asking my guests three questions before each interview so our listeners can get to know you a bit. Before we dive into all the good stuff, I would love for you to share the following things, okay? Where is your happy place? What is your favorite beverage? And what is your favorite personality trait for yourself? My happy place is either at the beach with my whole family or in my bed with a book and the light of the Christmas tree. And that sort of depends on the moment that you ask me and how crazy my kids are driving me in that moment. My favorite beverage is vanilla Dr. Pepper, full strength, no sugar-free. And my favorite personality trait is my giving nature, I guess you could say. I really love gift giving and making people feel special. Yes. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I can very much attest to that last part. Tristina is like the legit coolest mom and she does such an amazing job delighting in her children. I'm always in awe of your Instagram and just all the fun and cool things you do for your kids. Like this this woman in her Elf on the Shelf top notch <laughs> and just like her holiday stuff her activities it's cool she she really does like 
mean that when she says she loves to gift give. Well, I'm ready for that beach vacation now as we near the end of Christmas. For sure. I love it. Oh, well, cool. Well, if you can start by telling us just a bit about you and your family. Yes. So I am um, a Colorado native, born and raised. Um, I'm married to the best guy on earth. And we've been married for just over 10 years. We have three kids, ages seven, five, and almost three. We've had, you know, for the most part, the typical parenting journey of it being a roller coaster, but mostly just incredible. And honestly, I would really say that I love being a mom. Before becoming a stay-at-home mom, I got my degree in engineering and I worked in medical sales. When our older kids were four and two, which was right about the height of the COVID lockdowns, we were surprised with a gift of a third pregnancy. We were sort of on the fence whether we were going to have a third or not, and the decision was made for us. And then in our 20-week ultrasound, the anatomy scan is when they did confirm that our daughter would be born with spina bifida, myelomeningocele, which is the most severe form Basically, if you don't know what spina bifida is, it's where, in my daughter's case, her spinal cord and all of those nerves were poking out her back. And so there's a lot that can be affected with spina bifida when your nerves are exposed to amniotic fluid. You know, we were told that she would have major mobility problems. They even went as far as to say possible brain damage, which really means hydrocephalus bladder and bowel issues, and just a myriad of other things. We basically knew nothing about spina bifida before our diagnosis. We have no family history of it. And so we had that sort of all-too-common terrible prognosis talk from our high-risk OB that we had seen. But thankfully, they referred us to the MFMs at Colorado Children's at our fetal care center here which they're just the most wonderful people, as I know you know. Yes, I can attest to this. Yes. And just a few days later, we were we had done all of the testing and qualified for fetal surgery, which is where basically they do a large C-section and sort of just poke your baby's back out, fix that spinal opening, and tuck her safely back in for the rest of the pregnancy something that I still have a hard time wrapping my brain around that we went through, but we did it. She's almost three now, and she's the most amazing kid I know. Her disabilities are mainly physical, but she does not let anything slow her down. She's accomplished almost every single milestone that the doctor said she would not, and she's, you know, most importantly taught me and our whole family so much about patience and strength and bravery and just what's you know, the most important things in life. Wow. Oh my gosh. Well, that is like an absolute whirlwind to go from just your pregnancy that's, you know, going typical day to day. And then next thing you know, you receive the diagnosis, which we know is like such a life altering event in and of itself. But then to be thrust into like very quickly having to make medical decisions and then again, moving very quickly into the actual fetal surgery, that is a lot. And I really appreciate you sharing all that with us because I think it is such a unique situation where it, one, you know, you got the diagnosis prenatally, but then to so quickly be able to do that fetal surgery that isn't performed everywhere, like it's a pretty 
I would say, unique procedure. And I would just love to hear more about how you coped in those early days. And further, did it ever occur to you early on that you might become a stay-at-home mom or was that totally off your radar at the time? I think after we got the diagnosis, it was sort of just such a whirlwind. We really didn't know what was happening day to day. So to even think about her life after birth was hard at first. The fact that we were given fetal surgery as an option was a huge blessing because it made us feel like there was something we could do to help her right then and there. Now we know that you know having fetal surgery or just having your child's lesion closed after they're born are both fantastic options. So we're you know very glad that we received both options. But then you know she was when she was born she was thirty three weeks so. She was in the NICU for about a month. I think at that time, I didn't really ever think that I would need to become a stay-at-home mom because my work was so incredible with me. I was so blessed that they were working with me and holding my job and, you know, checking on me and helping me through it all and never really gave me a pressure of, like, when I needed to come back or, you know, pestering me about anything work-related at all. They were just really giving me the time, so I didn't really feel that I would need to become a stay-at-home mom until about a year into the journey. Oh, interesting. Well, thanks for sharing that because I think, again, like I had a similar situation where I I also became a stay-at-home mom to care for my daughter, but I had a very different experience. My work was terrible and I asked for more time and they said, no, here's your severance. Adios. And then I was a stay-at-home mom. And so, yeah, I think it is really cool to hear different stories and kind of versions. And yeah, I would love to kind of shift gears a bit and just talk about more about what the decision was like to become a stay-at-home mom and a caregiver. And you'd explain that wasn't something that happened right after she was born. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about just the process and the dynamics of how that affected your family. The decision to leave my job was a very tough one for us. We didn't take it lightly. It wasn't you know, without pain, it wasn't an easy choice. I had been at my job for over 10 years. And like I said, they were just truly incredible. And just working alongside me through every part of it. I think that being a working mom is hard no matter what your situation is. But there were certainly pain points and times of overwhelm before we even had the addition of disability parenting. At the time when my youngest daughter was born, we had a long-term nanny, which is what worked best for us, and she happened to have a CNA background. So we were extremely blessed in that, that we didn't have to immediately find new childcare for our kids. She was able to take over our daughter's cares right away, so I was able to keep working that whole first year of her life. She made it through a lot of hard parts with us during that first year, casting and a surgery and just all of her daily cares that most people would not know how to do. So we were really blessed by her. But it did get to a point where we could just see that we weren't giving her all that we could. Her therapy we could just see was slacking. She wasn't progressing as much as we hoped that she would. She was sort of falling further and further behind in terms of physical milestones. She was getting sick occasionally. We couldn't really pinpoint why, and we just knew that she deserved someone that would allow their life to essentially revolve around hers, which is really something only a parent or like a full-time live-in caregiver could do. And so in our situation with, you know, her disability being mainly physical, 
we felt that the early years are so important, sort of this preschool time. We felt that if we could get her set up in the best possible way, making sure that her cares are dialed in and getting her to a place of independence with her mobility before she reaches that school age, we feel that she'll have an easier time making it through the challenges that she's going to face when she goes to school. And so, you know, we felt that someone needed to really dedicate their days to helping her get there. I think that parenting is a very selfless job, but disability parenting like just takes that to a whole new level. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I'm I'm curious to know a little bit more like what the decision process was like and what that was like to explain or how did it work out with your coworker? Were they understanding or was how did I'm guessing they were because they sound like they've been lovely. But yeah, I'd love to know a little bit more about what that was like. Yes, they were so understanding. Honestly, they were pretty surprised that I lasted that long. And maybe that was us just sort of dragging our feet with the decision because it's a really, really hard choice. I think that becoming a stay-at-home mom is hard in general, but then to know that you're going to take on the role of not just a stay-at-home mom, but also a full-time caregiver is a really big responsibility. So they were very understanding. They still ask me at times when I can come back, which is just, you know, heartwarming that I have something that could be an option one day. Gosh, well, I'm really grateful you had such a good experience there. And I think when you were talking, you brought up such an important point about the value of having that extra care and attention that, again, it's like round the clock. It's 24-7. It's that extra component that often can only come from either a parent or like you said, like a living caregiver. And your story just brings to light like a lot of the complexities of being a full-time caregiver and I would love to explore just like another aspect of your experience so after you made the decision to stay at home can you tell us a little bit more what it was like getting set up and then having those in-home support services and then your experience with just like the Medicaid process and resources you found for your family first approached about Medicaid insurance and parent caregiving I basically rejected the idea and thought it was a scam to be quote I think you reached out to me and asked if it was a scam and I was like girl I thought the same thing and no it is not (laughs) it's just you have someone telling you that you could you know not be paying for all of these appointments and hospital stays and all of this and you could also become your child's paid caregiver and you think what, where's the catch in this? There has to be a catch. So, you know, we worried throughout our entire pregnancy how we would pay for all of our daughter's medical needs and how we'd make it work with two full-time jobs. And there's not always a great answer. But in addition, when we were pregnant, no one ever talked to us about the resources available in our state, let alone in other states. I took several calls with the advocate that I spoke to and a few conversations with the hospital finance department and, you know, a lot of social media scrolling through, you know, spina bifida related pages for me to finally open my eyes and understand what a blessing we had in front of us. I originally wrote off Medicaid because I figured our daughter would not qualify for the benefits based on our income. And Our hospital finance department was actually the one for us that was able to help us apply for a Medicaid buy-in program that she was was able to qualify for based on her diagnosis alone. 
And I know some states have these, some states have long waiting lists for them. Some states it's just very under-advertised, so most people don't even know that it exists. So I feel lucky that we were able to find it early on. But from there, I was able to get, we were able to get on the waiver, and then we were able to become a part of the in-home support services program, which is something that Colorado offers, and I'm able to be paid as my daughter's caregiver. And that's based on the number of hours of care she needs per day. So, I mean, at this point, we had already decided I was, it was time for me to leave my job. Even before we were approved for the program, we'd made, you know, significant budget changes based on the loss of my income. And even with the addition of my caregiver income, we still had to make a lot of life changes. It's not like you're getting paid the same as if you were, you know, working a full-time job. But it did... It's given us just a much-needed buffer. It's allowed us to feel way more secure in our decision, and it's helped with medical bills and medical trips, you know, things outside of what our insurance will cover. And so I'm really, really thankful for this program. There are several iterations of the program, some that allow, you know, the parent to be just the paid caregiver, some that require you to have a CNA designation, In my experience, it seems the best way to see if your state offers a program and to get set up is to get in touch with an advocate from a Medicaid waiver services group. My hope would be that this program will open to all states with no waiting lists in the near future. Oh my gosh, yes. Okay, well, I'm just like so hype right now because this is also our situation. We do it a little different than Tristina. I am uh, my daughter's parents CNA. So I did get my CNA license and then I was hired through a DME company and then they pay me based again, like on her cares and stuff. But I just get so excited talking about this because again, like I just want people to know about it. We here in Colorado are so blessed to have these programs, but they're still very under advertised. We found about it, luckily again, like on the earlier side, well, we, we had like a, I think it was our NICU nurse had mentioned it to us. And again, like Tristina, I was like, there's no way that's a thing. Like, uh, and again, for us, it was similar. We're like, we wouldn't qualify for Medicaid or these programs because of our income. And so again, we wrote it off. And then a couple months after our daughter got out of the NICU, we randomly had somebody contact us and we must've been, you know, flagged or, our NICU nurse sent a note. I don't know how this happened. It felt like magic at the time. But again, they called and said, you would likely qualify for this many hours, which means you would get paid this much. Are you interested? And for our situation, we had, like I had mentioned earlier, like quit while we were still in the NICU. I had quit working and So that was a huge leap of faith of just like, I have no idea how this is going to turn out. We don't have a backup plan. We don't, you know, this was our first child. And so it was really scary. And then this kind of felt like, you know, like the visual of taking a literal leap of faith. You're like leaping into the air. And then this was like the safety net that caught us. And I just get so excited to talk about because I want people to know this exists and I think something that's such a bummer is that it does not exist in many states. So from the last time I researched it, it was Arizona, Colorado, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, and Indiana. So high five to those states. But I think, again, it's that component too of like you have to 
really look for some of this stuff. And for, you know, people who are in other states, I'm sure there's different programs and different, you know, things like this. But I I was just really grateful you were able to share that with us. And again, I think just it's cool too to be able to share the differences of the programs within our state between you and I. And I hope that that is helpful to other parents out there. And, you know, I'm personally happy to answer any questions. But again, I think Tristina really nailed it when she said to reach out to like the Medicaid waiver services groups or an advocate. Like those are the people who are truly going to be able to help you find what you're looking for. So yeah, thank you again for sharing that. And as we begin to kind of just wrap up, I would love to hear more about your experience of what it's actually like to be a stay-at-home mom and a caregiver. Yeah, I mean, growing up, I always thought I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, and I actually became one. I quickly found out how hard it is. I mean, hats off to all the stay-at-home moms. You are doing the hardest job ever. Adding in disability parenting and becoming my daughter's full-time PT, OT chauffeur, medication admin, doing her cares every few hours, it doesn't leave a lot of time left over for daily chores or my other two kids. So, you know, don't even ask how often I sit down, but I have to give myself grace in some areas, you know? To my surprise, I actually do miss working. I look forward to the day that I can return to work, and I think about it often. So on a daily basis, you know, in between picking up and dropping off our older two kids and getting them to their activities, you know, when I'm home with my daughter, we're either going to therapy or we're doing therapy at home. We're trying to keep that as normal looking as possible, incorporating it into just, you know, normal playing activities, but really we're hiding therapy pretty much within every little moment that we can. You know, if we're running an errand and letting her walk, even though it's taking us an hour longer, just because it's great extra PT. And yeah, we're driving, you know, a fairly far distance for therapy. So there's a lot of car time and a lot of, you know, checking the clock to make sure that we're doing her cares on time. And, you know, just the extra kid things that we try to add in, like little mommy and me dance classes and things that you would typically do with a three-year-old, going to the library, those type of things. And then, of course, you have, you know, things that were cut out when I started becoming a stay-at-home mom, like the house cleaner. That's me now, you know? So just, you know, all of the regular things that you have to add in around all of the caregiving. Yeah, for sure. I'm curious. This isn't something we had talked about earlier, but I'm just going to ask you off the cuff. Is it hard to have boundaries with feeling like you're doing kind of that therapy role and the mom role? Has it been hard to like find that balance or did that come naturally to you? No, it's a very hard balance. And I feel like it sort of comes in waves from week to week too, whether I feel like we're doing enough or doing too much. For instance, right now I can just tell that she's tired. So I think this whole next week, we're just going to take completely off and just be together, which I think is maybe another topic altogether. But I think that breaks are just so, so important for everyone. Yes, it's like that balance of progress versus having fun and being a kid and like trying to incorporate those both and keep it even or, you know, incorporate the fun part into the progress part is tough. Like that is a lot. And I 
I think you and I have talked about this before, but it it is. It's really hard not to let the therapy creep into every aspect. I've struggled with that a lot with my daughter where I have to like sit down and be like, I need to just let her have fun. And we're we're in kind of a different situation. I'll just share a little bit about the difference between us just, you know, maybe we can relate to more people, but you know, you guys, it's really helpful when you need to, to take breaks and to give her that time off to kind of recoup and just have fun. And, and we're in kind of a different boat where we really struggle when we do take the breaks. My daughter does really well when she is in school and she has therapy and her day is full and it is nonstop and she needs it. When we do have break, she's so dysregulated. She can't calm down enough to go to sleep. So she's up till 11 o'clock at night. So, so yeah, this is cool to just kind of share the differences, but I think this is a huge part of being a stay at home mom and a caregiver is finding this balance. So yeah, I just really appreciate you sharing your perspective and, and what that's like for you. Well, I am curious, how then do you navigate this kind of like leads into this? How do you navigate the challenges of balancing self-care with the demands of caregiving and being a mom and having other kids and all the things? How does that look for you or what, you know, what's helped, what hasn't helped? I'd love to hear. I think the main thing is I try really hard to romanticize my days and just to add in things that are just for me and things that I love to really every day if possible. Mm -hmm. Because even if we're feeling like the day is like a dumpster fire, at least I've recharged at least a little bit to get me through. I listen to podcasts or audiobooks when I'm doing things like dishes that don't need my full attention or if we're driving, you know, over an hour to therapy, I will most definitely let my daughter watch a movie and I will listen to something that's for me during that time. Amen to that. Same here. I try really hard to get a workout in or let myself lay down during her nap time, just depending on what my body needs. I've joined our school board and taken up new hobbies just to challenge my brain, which I hope will fill my resume during this sort of gap time, which is really so silly. It's not a gap time. It's hard work. This should be able to be on your resume. Yes. You know, if my daughter gets a cake pop for a reward after therapy, which is like her current just driving force for everything, I usually give myself a reward for, you know, making it through as well. So I get a nice coffee or something like that. I try really hard to acknowledge how hard it is. And I lean on my husband when I need a break. You know, I've learned that communicating that is the best way to get through. And I just tell him, it's been a really hard day. I need a break. And he is wonderful and will take over right away. I also share the load of all of her cares um, with him and our other family members on the weekends because just because I'm her full-time caregiver doesn't mean that I'm the only one that knows how to do her cares and is responsible for them 100% of the time. Well, that is awesome. And those are just like some good tips in there. I love like the juxtaposition of like, sometimes I need a hardcore workout and sometimes I need to take a nap. And I think just like honoring where you're at is huge. And again, I'm, I'm certain that this has come with time. I remember, you know, in the beginning there was, it was just so black and white and there was just either all go or, you know, all rest. And I think as time goes on, like learning kind of that balance and 
And again, it's such an important part to having that support system in place and your husband, you know, being on the same page with all the cares and being able to do all that stuff. That is huge and wonderful. And I'm really grateful you have that and that I hope that like weekends because of that can feel more recharging and yeah, that's wonderful. So my last question for you is, do you have any regrets? Do you have any second guesses of like, was this the right decision or anything like that? I would love to know your thoughts. Yeah, I think it's kind of a loaded question because it's just a really hard decision to make in general. But I think that to see how far my daughter's come in the past two years since I became her full-time caregiver has made every ounce of it worth it. I think that our family has operated so much more seamlessly and there's been a lot less pressure on us to do it all, all the time. And so in general, I think it's been a really good choice just for every member of our family and not just my daughter. I know that one day I'll return to work. I'm pretty sure that I will. And I'll probably look back and miss this time, but I definitely know that I'll never feel more proud of what I'm doing than right now doing all of the hard work alongside my daughter and just setting her up for the best possible life. Yeah, I really resonate too with like that other part of being a stay-at-home mom for your other kids too. Because when you are working and then doing the caregiver role, I'm sure that would be hard to leave a lot of extra room for your your other kids. And yeah, I think that's such a good point. It's a family dynamic and not you know, just about our kids with disabilities. And it's, you know, really a choice that's what's best for the family. And I think you guys did such a good job of thinking through all of that. And and truly, like just watching you, I've seen you taken full advantage of becoming a stay-at-home mom. And again, like you just <laughs> go off on all the fun activities and just the thoughtfulness and things like that. And Truly, it's just really cool to see. And I'm I'm really grateful you were able to share kind of what that process looked like. And then, yeah, the hard parts, the parts that are great and things like that. There's a big amen here to coffee and podcasts. I think that is just, you know, obviously so important to be able to get through the day and have that kind of space to yourself. And your story is really just a testament to the strength found in vulnerability. And we're really, really grateful that you were able to share that with us today. You truly are an amazing mom and I'm so grateful we were able to chat. And it is my deep hope that listeners today feel less alone and can relate to this part of the story. I think a lot of parents in our situation of having kids with disabilities are in our shoes or going to be faced with these decisions. And I think just hearing about it from you has been truly a gift. So Tristina, thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you. All right, Tristina, well, do you have any last thoughts or anything else you want to share with us today? I want to thank you for having me and for allowing me to be part of this community. I think that finding community in disability parenting is one of the best ways to do life. And I'm really thankful for it. Oh, of course. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today and we'll talk soon. And if you would all like to connect with Tristina, she can be found on Instagram at Miss Tristina Pond and her blog is at adventureswiththepawns.com and I will link both of those below.
All right, everyone. Well, thank you all so much for listening into this episode all about Tristina's journey and what it was like to become a stay-at-home mom and a caregiver. I had such a good time recording this episode, just being able to chat with her and know a little bit more about her story and journey. And again, I think these things can be really helpful to either feel like, oh, I totally relate to that or that is not our situation and I can understand the challenges and what's great about it. Or I hope that you were able to gain some resources or think of some things to look into. I hope that this was an episode that resonated as much with you guys as it did with myself. To stay connected, be sure to follow me on Instagram at disabilityparentingpod. There I'll be sharing updates on future episodes, real and raw posts that are sure to make you feel known. Also, feel free to shoot me an email at disabilityparentingpod at gmail.com if you have any topics you'd like to explore or if you're interested in being a guest of the show. Again, thank you so much for being a part of Disability Parenting Podcast community. Stay tuned for upcoming shows and remember, your story is our story. Until next time.